Welcome back. Today, I talk with Kenny Ridgel. Kenny is a Greenville, South Carolina native, just like myself, and we both went to Greenville High School, so I've known Kenny for some time now. But in this conversation, it was truly a pleasure getting to know Kenny on more of a professional side of things and what he has built in his in his career. He is the founder and president at Ridge Media, a media company that he started back in his college days at the College of Charleston. And he is an impressive entrepreneur. I was impressed with what he has built at Ridge Media, how he has built his network and the people around him on the professional side of things. We dive into that, of course, and and what they're doing today and the different pivots they've made throughout his professional career at Ridge Media. And we also dive into his personal life a little bit, his personal story. So that was a lot of fun. And, And overall, it was just a lot of fun to have Kenny on. And I think a lot of people can get a lot out of the conversation. Another local company that I am very proud of is Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. Rebel Rabbit is a alcohol-free THC-infused Delta 9 seltzer, and they are on a mission to change the way we socialize and kind of look at drinking when we're out with our friends and family or just relaxing at home. They have a couple different levels. They have a mild hair and a wild hair. They have some incredible flavors and they're also racking up the retailers all over the country. So you can go purchase Rebel Rabbit maybe at your local retailer. You can find retailers on their website or you can just get it delivered directly to your door at their website drinkrebelrabbit.com. If you use promo code LIFE20, you get 20% off your order. Their link is in the show notes. And if you just go to that link, it'll automatically put the promo code in there for you. So you'll get 20% off. But like I said, if if you're just looking for an alternative to alcohol or if you just want to try it, they have something for you. I think it's uh, the new health kick. And I think it's incredibly he- more healthy for you than drinking alcohol. So you can drink it when you're hanging out with your friends, maybe at a party, or if you're just kicking back, relaxing, and watching the game or a show on a Sunday, um, a Rebel Rabbit Seltzer could be perfect for you. Another local company, and man, they're growing like crazy too, is Spinks. Spinks Convenience Stores is a proud partner of mine, and I've always known Spinks growing up as, oh, they're you know, really cool gas stations. They have great lights, and they have um, well-lit gas station with, you know, great fried chicken and all these other things that you know just from like a convenience store but I didn't know what they'd give back to their communities and Spinks gives back millions and millions of dollars to the communities that they're in like the March of Dimes and many other organizations so all I ask is if you see Spinks support your local Spinks because I guarantee you they are supporting the communities they're in and All those links are in the show notes. If you haven't given the show a written review or just a regular review on your listening platform, that would be great and much appreciated by me if you could do that. So give us a five-star rating. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Kenny Ridgel. Kenny, what's up, man? We've known each other for quite some time. I'm excited to have you on the podcast. First off, how are you doing? How's your day going? Been a great day. Had a day full of uh, end of year meetings. It's a pleasure to be here. Definitely excited to get in the room with you. Been following along, been a fan for a while. It's, it's exciting to have the opportunity. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's crazy. We're just a week out from Christmas. You have a busy new year coming up. First off, congratulations. Um, you got a baby girl on the way. 
Uh, how are y'all doing? Y'all been prepared? You know, how's how's everybody going? We decided to buy a house right in the middle, so it's been a little uh, a little bit of a challenge. But um, at the end of the day, we're building the nursery out. I think the last things I have to do together is put together the bassinet. It's like the changing table <laughs> that our crib is in, all the furniture's in. We're ready to go. Her name will be Ellis. So uh, it's going to be exciting. It's my wife's ma- mother, grandmother's maiden name. Nice. And your wife is Hillary. It was a really cool story how y'all met. We won't get into that too much, um, but I'm excited to meet her one day. It's uh, it's interesting because I knew you a lot growing up, right? We were never like best of friends, but we ran in the same circles. And I've been following what you've done since, you know, being an entrepreneur and all the different things you've gotten into. Um, but growing up, what was life like, man? You grew up in a couple of different parts of town in Greenville. And tell me about what your childhood, what you're interested in, that sort of thing. Yeah, I would say growing up, sports were a real big thing. But my, my dad and my uncle and my grandfather were all real entrepreneurs. So I grew up in a house full of people where like work was just constant. You know, it wasn't a matter of like there was an off and an on. It was kind of like on the weekends, dad's doing the books. My grandfather's coming over doing this. He ran an insurance company. My uncle runs an insulation business. My dad's a dentist. So, I mean, I kind of always had it in my blood, honestly. And like really playing sports wasn't going to be a pathway for me. I wasn't fast enough or tall enough to jump high enough. It wasn't, it wasn't going to pay the bills one day. So I always knew it was an ends to a mean. And then uh, honestly, when I first like uh knew that like money was my calling if you want to say that like in terms of uh sports versus uh like in a career i worked at duncan's hardware with joe freeman oh when nice. i was in high school and i uh, really learned the value of a dollar making seven bucks an hour like, you know. some, uh, like, ba- like bales of uh, pine needles and moving mulch and like filling up propane tanks and helping him probably beating up on you a little bit too <laughs> exactly <laughs> at the end of the day going in there really learning that uh like what i what i like to do is do a people you know being in the store being in a retail type facing situation Joe learned that I wasn't gonna be the guy to put together wheelbarrows. I think the first time it took me a day to put together three. He's like, "Do you know how to use tools?" <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> He's like, "You're a cash register guy. Like somebody else is gonna have to do those pieces now." But I would say, growing up, it was really like I was exposed to the business realm. I was super into sports, but at the end of the day, I kind of always knew I wanted to like go in that entrepreneur route. When uh, you go to college at Charleston, what was your like thought process to starting a company? that I think originated from an idea around an app. Yeah, so long story short, to back it all the way to the beginning, my dad wanted me to be a dentist. So I went to school originally for biochemistry, but he said, hey, look, I didn't know how to run a business. I was just a dentist. So I had to pay for all these people to help me run my actual company side of things. So I'd recommend taking entrepreneurship as a minor. So I took my entrepreneurship minor courses, got logged in there. One of the challenges of the entrepreneurship course was to create a business or facade of a business basically generate an idea, put some pitch deck together, and then go try and find real customers. Through that, we worked with a, a local like nonprofit and charity called Metanoia. It's pretty sick. It's in Charleston's community development. They basically have all the way from kindergarten through adulthood, and they help you actually grow and start your like entrepreneurship courses. So in short, like the teenagers, actually the boys, not to be like, I think they've changed it now, but at the time it was like the boys made t-shirt and like did screen printing and the girls made jewelry. Now I think they like it's a co-ed situation. Yeah, they do both. <laughs> yeah. But at the time it was, it was segmented and we actually helped them brand, make their websites. We got them into the Charleston market and you know, they're a like two or three year old organization at the time. They hit their 10 year sales goal in the first two years we worked with them as like part of our entrepreneurship course. And I realized at that time, like, man, maybe I'm kind of good at the marketing thing, but like, I didn't really think too much about it. I just had some success and I was like, that was fun. I went back to the class. Next challenge was to start another business idea. But you started an app. It was a city guide. It told you like happy hours, food specials. Yeah. I worked with a developer here locally in Greenville who was the majority owner of the business. 
And we really kind of launched and grew that. We had food trucks and we ended up selling mini apps, if you want to call it that. But we had like MUSC, where we had the Greenville Hospital System on there. We could book nice. appointments. And we had all these great sponsors. But through that, I was basically trying to sell a sponsorship. My running joke used to be, we'd go try and talk to different business owners, walk up and down King Street, walk up and down Main Street or Augusta Road in Greenville. And when you walked into places, if the person who was the business owner said, I need help on the Facebook, we knew we were in. <laughs> I was like, they obviously... You know, Especially in like 2000, what, 14, 15? Yeah, it was right like maybe like 12 or 13. Yeah, yeah. At the time it was like, uh, you know, everybody realized that digital was the thing, but they didn't know what to do or how to get started. And they kept saying, hey, we like y'all's Facebook. We like y'all's social media. We like your photography. We like your graphic design. Can y'all help us? And at the time, I was basically just saying yes, so I could keep paying the bills for the app. And uh, <laughs> like parlayed the app into one in Greenville, one in Charleston. Like I was saying, we had 250 advertisers by the end kind of had a like really good path going forward. But when I sat down to graduate, as I was saying before, I got into dental school. Yeah. And my dad was like, gung ho me going to dental school. I remember being terrified to come home and tell him I'm not going to dental school. <laughs> <laughs> like literally shaking. My college roommates actually had to like convince me to go. I would be nervous too. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm going to let him down, man. His yeah. Guy, one of his good friends is the dean down there. And so they'd already got me into school. I'd already got my DAT and everything done. Hey, I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, literally all my college roommates like, it's your own life. Like, please just go change your, change your mind, dude. Tell your dad, like, you get to do whatever you want. And I remember I said, what was your idea of what you were going to do at that point? At that time, I really, what were you going to tell him? I was like, I'm going to run an app. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being like, nice. I'm like, my dad's not going to know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I go back to my professor and I'm like, Hey, help me like make a convincing argument with the numbers of like how much revenue we've generated and what we're doing. And my professor actually sat down and he looked at me and he's like, Kenny, you're not even making a profit. He's <laughs> like, how are you going to convince your dad if we're not making money? Yeah, you didn't think it up. No. He's like, the dental school looks like the best path, bro. <laughs> and so he actually helped me look at it and he was like, look, well, you're selling all these other services that are really like an agency or an ad agency. I remember looking at him dead in the face and being like, what is an ad agency? And his name is Dave Wyman. Dr. Wyman's like, Kenny, it's what you're doing. Like you're running a marketing firm, but really you're buying ads for people. And I'm like, oh. What's that? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, uh, what I do from there? Yeah. So he, he took my books and he split them and he was like, hey, look, on your app side, you're actually losing money, but on the marketing side, you're making money. And so we, we took my one PL and split it into two PLs. And then I realized that actually I hadn't made a profit and had made a pretty good earnest amount of money, but I'd just blown it trying to run this app. <laughs> and so basically went back to the business partner and we decided that he would take the app and manage it and continue to run. And I would start the app, I mean, the ad agency. And I more or less, funny enough, my dad, was bought in at this time once I showed the numbers and he actually helped us come up with the name because I'd thrown out all these names and he was like why don't you just call it Ridge Media he's like people can't spell Ridgel so just take the two L's away because he used to say like it's Ridge with two L's when you spell your name he's like just drop it call it Ridge Media and I followed him for like a month kept trying to call the new names eventually caved and went with Ridge Media and at that point I got into Clemson MBA school in Greenville uh, and I was an undergrad just finishing up his biochemistry which doesn't parlay so well into <laughs> business so I went back and actually got finished my degree in business administration, finished with a dual degree in biochemistry business. Ah, very cool. With a minor, ship, minor in entrepreneurship. And then went into Clemson MBA here. With uh, with you going home, so did you tell your dad, though, before? like, did he have any feeling when you went into the first conversation about what you were going to tell him? No, no idea. I literally just spent the entire Christmas break working in his office because you have to get a certain amount of hours to be able to go to dental school. All right. So I had just shadowed and worked in his office. Like I just had a meeting with a dean about what I needed to do to get prepared for school <laughs> all over Christmas break. And I went back to school and that was when my roommates convinced me. So school's already back in action. And Sam Rogers at the time, 
I remember it was a good buddy of mine. He like I, my roommates convinced me on Sam was a business, and I'm like Sam, who do I need to talk to? And he actually put me in touch with his his admin, his advisor, and I went and met with her. And she was like, well, if you have a three, eight in biochemistry, I can just override you through your one-on-one courses and put you in the upper level classes. Like you're going to have to study some old stuff material wise, but if you're able to handle biochemistry, we think you can get you in there. So her name was Miss Snyder. Miss Snyder basically parlayed me into my senior level of classes. So I ended up graduating one semester late, but yeah, thanks to Sam for putting me in touch with the right advisor. <laughs> hey, a right advisor can get you through a lot, man. <laughs> I know a lot of friends that graduated college because of advisors. <laughs> um, but I want to touch on what you said. So you were selling ads or selling placements, ad placements for the app, and they would be placed on the app when people would go to them? Yeah. And so basically what people would come, it was like what you cared about in college. Like, yeah. where are the happy hours? Where are the food specials? What concerts are going on? Food truck calendar. We even did the River Dogs and the Greenville Drive so you could buy your tickets, see the season schedule. And really my goal was, you know, the developer didn't want to be doing the sales. So I would just go knock on doors. And I remember walking to the River Dogs one day and be like, hey, we have a city guide app. We have over 20,000 people a day looking at it, checking things out. We'd love to for you to put a placement on here. And they gave us like a, you know, some of it was in kind where they gave us a shout out, told people to download it. And they get it, did a giveaway every game where you would get free season, uh, free game tickets to the next game if you downloaded the app. Very cool. With, um... So your idea at first, though, was it an ad agency? Because right now what you do, I feel like, is far from that in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, I literally had to get coached on what an ad agency was, like yeah. I was saying earlier. And the professor of mine, Dave, actually let me go shadow. There's a thing in Charleston called Dig South, which is like an entrepreneurship. It's basically they're like trying to create, recreate like South by Southwest in Austin and Charleston just for marketing agencies. And I went and I shadowed all these different marketing agencies. And the first one I went into, I remember everyone, num- number one, had a bar in their office and a full kitchen. The first one I walk into, a guy slides down a fire pole, gets on a human-sized skateboard, slides into like human-sized bowling pins and knocks them down, and he's the owner. And I'm like, what in the heck does this guy do? And he he ran a company called Blue Ion, which was a web developer. Oh, Blue Ion. Yeah, I actually have a spot in the Village West Greenville. And he basically did Tito's marketing in the city of Charleston. They did Tito's branding and everything. And uh, he was he kind of parlayed me and a girl named Kyle Victory who went to school with us. She actually worked for him, was uh, basically a designer. She's in San Francisco now doing design work. But she helped us make our original like branding and logo and kind of like helped us start the whole company. It was really sick. So we kind of got everything up and running and then went to a couple other agencies that dig South Week and took some, you know, inspiration, if you will. And I, I would say at the end of the day, we kind of took, so they were a web development company, went to another place called Hook USA, which is a branding company. And then went to another place called Brains of Fire in Greenville. And uh, Robin Phillips is her name. Logan's a daughter, her daughter who went to school with me. And basically kind of took their agencies and decided I would be a one-stop shop. So I took the, we put web development underneath our umbrella. We took the branding, put it underneath our umbrella, and then took the ad agency campaign strategy and put it all underneath our one. So we want to be like in the, in the idea of being a full service agency rather than having a niche of services. Sir, at the beginning, were you using like uh, subcontractors contractors out when the work would come in? Yeah, since I started, I guess in the best way possible, I've never really been able to do the work that we accomplished. Let's <laughs> say, Kenny, we build me an app. It's like, no, I can't. <laughs> don't, we don't want me messing with the computer too much. <laughs> so in a good way, I kind of had to learn how to run it as a real business. And I think that started in high school, actually. I mean, like I, my dad would let me cut the grass in his yard. And like I ended up knocking on the neighbor's doors and cutting the grass at his office. And I ended up like... I would get the money from them, and then I would pay my buddies to go actually cut the grass, and I would just middleman it all. Nice. So I kind of took the same project, like like principles, mm-hmm. and applied it to this project here, and then yeah. hired the designers. Thankfully, College Ross, a lot of artists, yep. a lot of developers, a lot of artists, photographers, 
and I would just sell the work. I would just double what they were telling me they would charge, and then we would we had a business. And I had no employees for a while. What was your first uh, client or, or customer? I would say our very first customer was the Greenville Drive, and I, I ended up getting in there just by chance because uh, I played baseball at Greenville High, and Scalamero, the coach, kind of gave me a contact over there and was like, "Hey, I heard you're starting this app. Like, you should talk to the Greenville Drive." So I think we had like some small like you know projects here or there, but they're the mm-hmm. first like real kind of name worthy customer. But uh, my funny story in terms of the first ad agency, like Retainer, which I guess in the ad world, that's where you really make your business is who's going to give you money monthly. Yeah. I always call it the hamster wheel, right? You sell a website, you sell a video. You can do these projects, but you can't project income, so you mm-hmm. can't hire people. And I remember I graduated uh, college and the guy told me, he was like, hey, Kenny, I'll give you your first contract if you show up the day after graduation at 8 a.m. And I'm like, dude, what? Like, I'm going to be hurt at 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a company called High Wire Distillery. And the guy basically was a, like, I don't know, serial entrepreneur. He sold an organic baking company in Greenville for $80 million. He was the first Ben & Jerry sales rep. But he started Highwire Distillery. And I basically went in there at 8 a.m. the day after graduation, barely making it, hungover. And he actually made me take shots of a white lightning, his bourbon, before he'd put it in the barrel. <laughs> I remember I told him, I was like, listen, I got to get the contract out of my car. Little did he know I had the contract in my portfolio. I had to go outside to throw up. <laughs> I can't. I came back in, presented the contract, signed the contract, and went home. Did not sleep at all like I should have. I just celebrated. I was, and he gave us $3,000 a month, and it was like one of the best things. We That was like kind of off to the races. I was like, okay, that's $36,000 a year. I can afford my first employee. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's not really talked about, or what we have talked about during this, is that you started this while still in college. Yeah. So when you graduated, that next day is when you got your first retainer client. Yeah. And <laughs> that's pretty impressive. It was insane. Yeah. <laughs> I think in undergrad, we made revenue-wise, like I was saying, it wasn't like we made a lot of money because of the app was sucking a lot of the profit. But I think we made somewhere around like ninety or $100,000 of revenue. And I'm, I remember like thinking back on it like, how in the heck did I do that? Like, how did you make a hundred grand of revenue yeah. in college? But it was it was definitely one of those things where I, I would liken it to like, number one, timing was optimal, right? Digital, like you said, 2012, 2013 was yeah. just all the rave. Everything was like going that way. And then definitely like in God's providence, just the right connections, the right people put, put in my path and I would just say sometimes stubbornness kind of led to like really getting there. Yeah. But yeah. Like starting undergrad was impossible. What was, um, I would say one of your superpowers is probably relationships, right? Like then you seem like you use that in a lot of different areas of your life, but early on, you know, what was your strategy to gain new clients? Like, were you like, all right, we're going to stick to Greenville or we're going to stick to South Carolina, the Southeast, you know, what was your main focus in those early years? In a good way, one of the entrepreneurship courses always like they preach just like proof of concept, proof of concept, proof of concept make sure that people want what you're trying to sell. And so what I would do in, in the beginning was just really walk, blessed to be in college in college Charleston, in the city of Charleston, where you can just kind of walk from campus up and down King Street. And I would just walk into stores, walk into hotels, walk into restaurants, walk into distilleries, breweries, and just tell them what we're doing, ask if they needed help. And in the best way possible, just by like knocking on doors. I, I remember when I had to like create a real sales strategy that wasn't that, I had to like actually think. But I, I remember when I moved to Greenville, I would just start on Augusta Road and I'd drive straight down and I remember I went into so many of like the boutique stores, retail stores, Musette started at Musette Studios. I remember she basically college me on there. She's like, Kenny, you're not going to get too far with these boutiques. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's like, she's like, here's 10 people that I know that own businesses. And she was kind of my launching board in Greenwood. She gave me 10 people's emails and phone numbers and was like, tell them Musette sent you. And I went and called on the 10 people she gave me. And then at that point, there's like a real trick that I've always kind of parlayed off of, which is introductions. And one of my friends, 
uh, told me who was starting his business, he said, look, the most powerful thing you can do for connections is make introductions. So he, he always had the power. I agree with that. He always had the power of 10 is what he said. So if you take five people, you know, and introduce them to five more people, you know, you're not expecting anything in return. But at the end of the day, these people now have something that they feel like they kind of owe you. So anytime sales get slow or whatever, I would just go introduce five people to new five other people in my network and just try and create value. And I feel like that was kind of, like you said, really just leveraging the relationships. Yeah. I think that's a real superpower. And like you said earlier, like you can't, maybe you can't design the website or like do the coding for the website or, you know, that sort of thing or create the clips for the videos. But like the power of relationships is to me, I think that's one of my superpowers and something that I'm really good at. And, um, you know, I think it's so useful in so many different areas of life. When you moved back to Greenville, did you eventually say, I'm going to have a brick and mortar? You know, what was your plan to kind of open an actual office and then start bringing the employees in and building the team? So that's actually a really good question. I would say in, in the beginning, most like other a- agencies kind of started where I was just a one, one like stop shop, you know, I was yeah. the guy. But in a, in a good way, a lot of these other agencies, and no fault to them, a lot of times they are like a skilled person, so they can do some of the work, like unlike me. <laughs> so I think they kind of would put themselves in like a pigeonhole where they'd price things a little bit too low. So it was harder to scale up, right? Because they were able to do the work, but then once they maxed themselves out, they didn't have as much, you know, they basically created a salary and created a job rather than creating a company. I was blessed in the fact that like I couldn't do it, so I had to price it at a certain point to where I could make money and someone else could make money. So- through that, I actually had like a decent amount of profit kind of built in based on the business model. And then when I went to Clemson MBA E, which is like their entrepreneurship program, I met Brian Stearns, who actually runs Ringo Fire in Greenville, one of the fastest growing agencies in the country. But at the time he worked at Ryobi and uh, he was a cohort made of mine. And Brian was like, hey man, we'd love like you to try and come in and pitch our doing our social media. We ended up getting the contract with the Ryobi Power Tools. I'm like 22 years old and it was like multiple six-figure contract. And I was working at my parents' house in Shannon Clear. They had, <laughs> they had moved to the lake and their house was completely empty. So my office, it was almost like the Facebook movie where like we were working out by the pool and swimming and like <laughs> hanging out. First employees were literally in the house waking me up in my bedroom, like yeah. out. I'm like, oh my God. So yeah, but they said they want to do an office visit. And I'm like, oh, dude, you can't come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember I used my network and started asking as many buddies as I had. And thankfully a guy named Heath Calhoun, who's been a good friend of mine, his uncle, Bo Ivester in Greenville, was moving his office from Columbia to Greenville, but hadn't actually moved his entire staff here. He had the office with the furniture ready to move in six months. And he basically was like, you can use my space and work alongside me. I'll be the only one in the office. You can pay me rent until my staff comes. We only got six months. And I remember six months to figure it out. Yeah, still, that's it. So by the time Ryobi did their office visit, it looked like we had way nicer furniture in our office than we deserved. <laughs> you had a few signs up. Yeah, put a few signs up, a sticker on the door. They came in, did their office visit. We kept the contract. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. So Ryobi, um, they got you to do their social media. Yeah. Um, at that time now, did you find like a great social media contact? Like who was your, how did you discover who to do that? So actually I've kind of always leaned on the same model, like looking at other agencies, infinity marketing is a great social media agency in town. And I hired my first two employees for the Ryobi contract from infinity. (laughs) Uh, I think one of them was actually an intern. Nice. But we brought them in and we basically like, hey, look, our goal is right here. Elizabeth Hughes was that. I don't know if you know the Hughes family. Yeah. Dr. Hughes is a great orthodontist. But uh, yeah, of course, the dental the dental world. <laughs> but yeah, we basically, Elizabeth kind of was really like our social media guru. And at the end of the day, I think we really took like their blueprint for how to run social media and their process and implemented it in our office. Was your strategy moving forward? Because I mean, I do know you have like international, I mean, you have like national clients. Um, but you also still do a ton in Greenville. 
Um, when did you start like growing to like BMW and uh, Hotel Domestique and like these other, you know, pretty well-known Greenville brands as well? Um, I would say the way we kind of like made the leap was really like intentional. One of the things that like I was blessed with through the MBA school and was connections. But again, I would say really like the way we kind of parlayed those was just the power of being in Greenville. I mean, there's something to be said about this tiny town where you have connections and you have, we were just talking about before we started, you have like somebody for everything. And honestly, I played in the Greenville Chamber of Commerce golf tournament and I met the lady from BMW, Carrie Snyder. She was just signing up volunteers. And of course I was like acting like I wanted to sign up as a volunteer and then ended up getting a meeting with her and flipping her into that. And then Hotel Domestique, I knew from the chef from back when he worked at Sobeys at one point, Hayden Shock, and then Hayden went there. But yeah, just again, like one of those things where I would say, like my, I've always said, the number one tip for me is just being in public. Some people say it's lucky, but at the end of the day, you got to be in the right place to get lucky. When you say, I mean, say you run into the lady at BMW at the golf tournament. At the golf tournament, do you know who she is? Like, have you done pre-work to like maybe figure it out or you just run into her? I just ran into her. <laughs> She had her booth set up with her BMW stuff. She's like, I'm recruiting volunteers. And I'm like, we should try and get this contract. Yeah. Uh, my group's teeing off on like the long drive hole. And I just started trying to chat up Carrie. And I'm like, hey, who knows y'all's videos? <laughs> She's like, let's get coffee next week and talk about it. You go it. You drink it. We'll get some, some coffee next exactly. week. <laughs> with, uh, with your growth, and I mean, you look at your team now on your website. I have pulled up here. You have... I don't know, 16, 15 employees, something like that. Um, you know, obviously you're still trying to bring in new probably clients and new customers. Um, talk to me through y'all's growth, especially in the last couple of years where I feel like y'all really kind of um, established yourself in the industry. Yeah, I would say at one point we kind of, I, I think you get in this race when you're an entrepreneur of like how many employees can I get? How big can I look? And when I first started, we overhired. You know, I got these contracts for you over here for these places and I was like kind of, I don't know, young and egotistical, if you want to call that. And I was like, let's, we want to hire people, you know, we want to look big. And I, I we're going to be, if we're going to be big. Yeah. And I remember just like getting all these people in and I actually hired a consultant during that time. And he's like, why the hell do you have all these employees? And I'm like, I just feel like I'm really legit. <laughs> like, we need to have a lot of people. What do you mean? People think we're small if we don't have a lot of employees. And he actually kind of re reassessed and he's like, look, I think you're making a mistake. You were, you were making more profit because you looked at my books like you were making more profit when you were doing it by yourself with a lot of subcontractors and minimal employees. Why don't we just go back to that? And honestly, that consultant kind of saved me because I would say that was right in 2019, right before COVID happened, whenever, you know, marketing budgets really slowed down. And we kind of went back and we re reassessed the business. And with intentionality, uh, my number two in the company, Sarah Calhoun, she's like a creative director. She actually gets profit sharing now. She's been with me for almost seven years. And we like looked down and we looked at our industries. I would say at that point in time, we were kind of just like, we're taking everything. You know, we meet you, you do landscaping, cool, we'll do yeah. you. <laughs> you know, like, well, we'll do whatever. And then we kind of reassess, we're like, okay, what is like a recession-proof industry plan? Like, what can we do that would help us? Where can we grow and scale? Because once you have case studies in certain industries, it's always way easier to get new clients in that industry. Yeah. So we, we set out, we want to be service-based, hospitality-based, and healthcare-based. So in, in a sense, that was where we had most of our success. All of our customers stayed in there. Say those again again. What? Yeah. Hospitality, services, so like heating and air, accounting, uh -huh. attorneys, stuff like that. So anything like service-based business and then healthcare. So like private practices, nice. hospitals, like we were with the Prisma as well. But in a, in a good way, like I would say, we kind of intentionally chose some verticals, decided this is where we're going to hang our hat. And a good friend of mine's mom worked at a car dealership and she was like a car dealership agency called Chumney Advertising. Her name was Jen Jones. John, her son, worked for me. He's one of my best friends. 
And she actually came in and she was like, Kenny, I think you could grow your business tenfold and I'm, I'm going to help you do it as long as you don't cut, touch car dealerships. <laughs> so, like, we're at landscape. And she's like, I'll coach you on the whole thing, but like, you're not touching car dealerships. So she basically gave us all their folders and processes and spreadsheets and how they ran their business. They're a $150 million agency based out of Florida. They have an office in Greenville as well. And she really just showed me the ropes in terms of how to scale this business and how to be intentional with outreach. How do we get in front? Like you said, like I said, just bouncing into the BMW person to the tournament. How do, can I intentionally go to certain places, try and be in front of certain people? How do we get clients? Like, for example, recently we've signed up some clients like Greenbrier up in West Virginia and their sister property, Glade Springs. And we actually have a couple international clients now, one in London, one in Cabo. So it's one of those bl- like blessings where like when we are intentional, shown to the right conferences, trying to speak to the right people, doing your due diligence, like trying to make sure you're like, okay, that person's a CEO here. I need to get in front of him. Yeah. And then the idea was basically trying to reassess. And then during that same time period, we took our business model and we went almost to like a construction-based model where we have our project managers or our AEs mm-hmm. and all those people are in-house. And then our skilled laborers, like the roofers, the plumbers, the electricians, those are all contracted. And we really reassessed our business. We had 26 employees at the time. We scaled all the way back down to seven and then put everybody back on like a retainer-based contract situation. Dang. And, and that was in 2019? 2019. And by the time we got really done with that, it was like January of 2020. And it was a blessing from God for sure. Because March, as we all know, came and hit us like a freight train. Yeah. And I got super lucky to where I had, didn't have all those people on my payroll and was able to weather the storm. And then during that, I think I'd also now I just picked my niches and I just figured out who I wanted to go after. And it forced me to quit being lucky and going in public because I wasn't able to just bounce around and run into people. I had to pick up the phone. I had to get on email. I had to dial and like email and try and be targeting who I was reaching out to. Yeah. And I think like the, the perfect storm happened to where we really like, I would, our business has grown like a five fold since then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once you specialize and like you find your, you know, how do you say your niche? Cause it could be multiple things, but like once you find and specialize what you're in and really go after that and target that. I mean, that's what I struggle with sometimes too. I'm like, I feel like I'm doing too much, but not doing enough in like what I need to be doing, right? You know? And then you kind of got to reassess and scale back where you see where some progress isn't being made and then just refocus your energy where it needs to be. <laughs> Rebel Rabbit is on a mission to provide a healthier and smarter way to socialize and drink. Their alcohol-free Cannabis-infused seltzers are perfect for anybody just trying to kick back and relax after a hard day at work or on the golf course with your friends or hanging out at a party and you want to wake up and feel better the next day. Their seltzers are perfect for you. They are a great alternative to alcohol as well. Their website is drinkrebelrabbit.com. Use promo code LIFE20. You'll get 20% off your order. That link is in the show notes. But join the mission and start drinking and socializing smarter with Rebel Rabbit Seltzers. I actually just read this book, which I would highly recommend to everybody. And I wish I'd have read it a while ago. It's called E-Myth. And it's all about like how you scale. And they call it like returning to infancy. And they say like a lot of businesses will scale up and they return to infancy because it's like the comfort zone of the owner. Mm-hmm. And then you scale up and you return to infancy. And the book is basically teaching you how like to run your businesses if you're going to franchise it. Because if you run your business like you're going to franchise it, you're not ever going to return to infancy. You're going to continue to grow and build and build with processes and people. And the, in the book, they kind of talk about the owner being the technician. And he uses a baker as an example. And he's like, if you're baking on the pie, you can't grow that much. <laughs> and I always like Strawsner's Bakery is a good example. They're a client of ours. Oh, yeah. He, he, has, has, he has like 150 clients in there. I mean, I mean, 150 employees in there. You would have no idea that it's that big of an, of an operation. But Tapley's not making pies. Yeah. Hey, exactly. <laughs> 
he's really run it as an operation, as a business. But in a good way, I think trying to test That's a really good point. Trying to take myself out of being a technician and grow it and scale it like an like as a like a franchisable business was a, definitely a big play. What um what other resources do you use to like help you grow as a business owner, as a president, founder? Um, I know you get into some other things as well, but like growing with the people and things that you can continue to learn. Like, what are resources you use? I would say, and one of the things I really and blessed with is kind of being a nerd. Like I love to read. I love to like basically try and consume as much information as possible. So I, in, a, in a way I'm am constantly going to like self-help groups, you know, like I'm going out and trying to go to any of these like leadership or mentorship conferences, mm -hmm. reading John Maxwell books, reading pretty much yeah. any book. I have a list on my computer of every book that anyone's ever mentioned to me. I write it down, I keep it. And I like set a goal out of trying to read or audio book. I'm more of an audio book guy. I try and <laughs> I try and hit like every two weeks, clip a book off, and then if, even there's a thing called Blink List. I don't know if you've heard of that, but you can basically it's like what we would use in school to like just cliff notes books, but it like it will cliff notes like big leadership books and make it like digestible. So I, I, I pound through that that app actually. What um uh, two things? We'll start, stay with your team. With your team, like what do you do internally? Keep people engaged. Keep people motivated. Like just making it a fun and engaging place to work we've actually like spent some time trying to create that culture because i feel like at one point in our in our you know existence we kind of just let it go and be and in a sense i was like i've never been much of like a control freak i'd much rather be out of the office meeting people doing networking events trying mm -hmm. to i don't know play the role of like the face of the company yeah right maybe play some golf <laughs> yeah a few days a week <laughs> And in a good way, like I was always kind of like, you know, hands off and like creating that culture. And then in the last few years, like through like the COVID situation and then we're reassessing the company, we really set a lot of like intentionality in terms of like trying to make it, who do we want to hire? What do we want to do? And we actually read a book called like the five dysfunctions of a team. It's Patrick Lencioni book. And he actually talks about like the five key components you need to have a good teammate. And I think we've applied those principles pretty heavily in terms of our office. And the number one thing is you know, like how would you want to work with this person every day during the day, trying to find not like-minded people, but people you want to spend time with. Mm -hmm. And if you want to spend time with them, your employees will want to spend time with them. And I know the family thing's a cheesy idea, but in a sense, you kind of want to create almost like a family atmosphere where everybody takes care of you or each other. And I would say by being intentional with like, you know, at one point we'd hire a lot of people with experience. And now we've gone really back to like, let's hire, you know, some people with experience. Well, let's hire a lot of people right out of college who are eager. And I think you can't coach eagerness or hunger. You know, if somebody comes in, they want to learn, they want to get better, they're going to get better, they're going to, like, advance themselves. Whereas people with complacency, it's hard to, like, they could be the smartest person in the room, but if they don't have any drive, you can't create that. Yeah, totally. I think, uh, like, having a balance around that is, is huge because the company I work for, we have some older individuals and um, that have been there for a long time. And, like, they'll even tell me, like, when I come into the room, sometimes I help them with, like, just, like, bringing the energy back and, like, getting that feeling of eagerness back into the workplace because the balance is key you know if you're the one person you do your same job for 15 years straight like it's only natural that the energy is going to go down your motivation is going to go down unless you're surrounded by a team that helps you um you know encourage yourself to to do your best job possible for the team around you um with COVID how was COVID how was it you know I mean I know you said there was a blessing right before where you didn't have all these people in the books um, but I'm sure there were some tough times right in those first few months and marketing budgets, like you said, got slashed in half and 
Um, did you lose clients? You know, was there uncertainty for you around that time? I would say it was almost like a lateral growth or a linear growth. Like, you know, like we, we grew horizontally, like in a, in a bad way that can be like detrimental sometimes. But during the time, during that time, what I mean by that is like, we took on more clients basically to make up the same amount of revenue. <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of our clients basically just cut their budgets in half. So we didn't have, in a good way, a lot of people had to get online. They had to figure out how to talk to their customer. They had, they now there's a sudden interest of what is my website say? But what is social media saying for me? Why do we not have an email marketing campaign to tell everybody when we're open and when we're not? So it was like, a lot of people saw the value. They didn't have the money. They couldn't operate at full scale. So even like our health clients, right? They Like yeah. private practice, I'm sure everybody dealt with it. You couldn't go to the doctor for months because yeah. they could only see 20% of patients or whatever. And so in a way, we got a lot of new clients and a lot of new opportunities that really blossomed once the world returned to normal. So I kind of liken it into, okay, let's just take a chance, try and pitch some really big people that we could probably never get in touch with or get in front of right now at a limited budget and try and create new like opportunities for ourselves. What are, um, what are some of your thoughts about what you want to be in the next 10 to 15 years? I've actually been working with a new coach or mentor. I would say that's something I might have skipped over earlier that's been super helpful has been the amount of mentors of people that have poured into me. Like I can't, I could go on a list for like a day of how you helped me. <laughs> but uh, one of the guys is- I'm, Well, that's a big thing, dude. Letting people help you and like taking that advice and actually put it into your life. I mean, I feel like more people could do that. Yeah, like I, I knew when I first started dating Hillary, she was like, why do you ask so many people so many questions? And she was like, you don't listen to half of them. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I listen. You just don't have to take their advice. Like, <laughs> and she's like, I feel like you ask 10 people before you make a decision. And I'm like, well, they've all been through it before. They can help me avoid different mistakes. And in terms of like the path we're going, the most recent guy, he always like likens it back to, you know, the business is a truly a reflection of the owner mm -hmm. and you're disorganized. If you're like chaotic, the business can be disorganized and chaotic. If you don't have like a path that you're going towards. And I wouldn't, you know, like obviously I have had goals, but like I haven't been very descriptive in terms of like, you know, I would basically decide like, this is our revenue goal. This is how many new clients we want to get. And that was kind of like the extent of where I would be with my goals. Yeah. <laughs> he's like work. He's working on him in terms of really diving in the last two years of like drawing out what are our goals? Where do we want to be? Uh -huh. And then how does that play in each person? Because in terms of like kind of circling back to the question of like your staff and how to engage them, if the people who work for you know where their role is, where their growth is and what they're building to be and where you see them fitting in the company, I think they also have a certain level of like energy they bring too, right? Okay, well, I want to be a director. I want to be a manager. I see my path in the company. And I think in, in a sense, Sarah has operated like that in our company a lot. A lot of people look at her as like, she's grown. She's not a creative director. She started as a graphic designer. She rolled all the way up to the positions. And I, I feel like trying to line out not only where the company wants to be, but where everybody individually can go and should be, and then building up their confidence to get there has been a big piece. But to answer your question, probably I see myself uh, like a 10-year plan. We want to grow. We've been consistent in the last three years of growing at 20%, 20%, 20%, 20%. I kind of like that. Con, con, it's like a yeah. safe growth model. And I, I don't want to grow linearly. Obviously, it saved me, <laughs> obviously it saved me during COVID, but I, I, there's definitely been periods in our company where you know, I didn't have an ideal client in mind, right? We were, or in terms of a budget, I just you know I want to pick the niche. Okay, they're in the niche. I didn't care if they spent a thousand dollars a month or ten thousand dollars a month. <laughs> but wait, we just your your private practice, your service will take you. <laughs> and so I had, to, I had to really learn and grow. And so in ten years, the idea would be, you know, it would be like your year nineteen, February will be our ninth year. Yeah. The idea would be like, look, we want to be a twenty million dollar business. What does that look like? How do we grow there? How do we like want to get there? 
And then how many people do we want to have? How many clients do we want to have? And then just like yeah. reverse engineering it. And what we kind of determined- Like the right clients too, yeah. Right. What we kind of determined was that it wasn't a matter of like, we want to try and get a ton of new small clients. Mm-hmm. We want to like, obviously we want to have bigger clients yeah. and, we want to, <laughs> and we want to have, I want to stay as a small agile team. I don't want to be like on a big cruise ship where we can't turn. I like yeah. being small and agile being on a turn. I mean, the digital world changes so much. I mean, Google ads in the last year has changed 10 times. Yeah. So like we've had to figure out, you know, I want to keep the team as like a small team, no more than 25 employees, want to be a $20 million business, want everybody to manage a certain amount of money. And then how do we kind of fit into that mold? And if we can basically take our team and keep stacking those ideal clients of like the five to $10,000 a month mm-hmm. and up, and then they fit in our right industries, I think we can grow the right way. And we actually have an org chart on my board. And the idea is like, I leave it up there every day. And it's like, we're checking off which positions. Okay. Once we hit this new revenue goal, we're hiring for this. And that way it's set up to where like, I don't just meet Sam. Yeah, plan. Yeah. I'm not meeting <laughs> Sam and be like, Sam's a good guy. We should hire Sam. I'm like, do we even have a budget to hire Sam? <laughs> like, Kenny, now you're losing money, man. <laughs> yeah. Look, I like Sam. <laughs> what about uh, AI? Have you been use? have y'all been diving into AI some? Yeah. So I would say we're ba- back to my nerdiness. Like one of the things we've done really well is we actually use like in terms of when we went and audited our customers, what worked the best, we use a tool, this artificial intelligence tracking for customers. So at the end of the day, any small business owner needs to know when I spend money, how much can I get back in return? Yep. So we try to work with our customers to create a true formula. Okay. It's a, your average cost per lead on this channel, or if you want to call it a platform or whatever, Google or Facebook, Instagram, your average lead costs this, your average close costs this. And then we can work with them to actually create a revenue goal. And then we basically tie ourselves in, in terms of like, we don't have long-term contracts. We work with them and we set up revenue goals. So as they do that, they like they hit another 100000 They unlock money for us. Got it. So we basically have skin in the game with them to where we have to put up every month. And then as they accomplish and grow, then we automatically unlock yeah. the budget for ourselves. And it's, y'all grow together. And so the artificial intelligence actually monitors all the calls, records all the calls, records every transaction that comes in through a form or a buying process. It actually will tell you exactly when they found you online, where they clicked, how many times they saw you, and then like when yeah. they purchased. So, you know, one t- might take four clicks. Those clicks cost money. How do we get them to down to two clicks? How do we get them to convert faster? So thankfully there's like four or five tools we use that really like, even like a heat map on your website, seeing how they're coming in, seeing how they're converting and then tracking them all the way to like where, what dollar amount they spent. So it's, it's been crazy trying to like, you can do a lot of snooping on the internet. <laughs> it is crazy. Dude. Yeah. Uh, I was listening to a podcast before we came in here and it's uh, about artificial intelligence and where the future it might go. And it's, it is wild. It is wild. I mean, one of the things we do now is like when we're trying to say we, we just took on a new hotel client and they're a golf resort and a ski resort. In Cabo? We just get that. We have a golf resort down there. <laughs> this one, this one's over the shelf. This client for you. That was. <laughs> That was like I could ride off my trips to Cabo. <laughs> but uh, the one, in, it's in Glade Springs of West Virginia near Winter Place. I'm not sure if anybody here like listening has ever skied at Winter Place, but it's a great spot to go. And uh, what we did with them is they basically know their customer base. They know how much revenue they, I mean, income they have. They know they usually are family-based. So we were able to go to credit card companies, buy a list and say, hey, we need anybody who has over one kid over five years old that has an income of this much money and they have the demographic of this much money. Cool. And we basically can take their IP addresses, their email addresses and phone numbers, upload it to Google ads, run them ads. So every time they're kernel their TV, they're watching. Every time they're looking on social media, they're getting hit with our ads. Every time they're like, even if they throw like search intent, right? They're searching skiing or they're searching mm-hmm. golfing. Now we're like retargeting them 
But like it all started with the list of the credit card companies. And scarily enough, guys, if you're buying on a credit card, they're selling your data. <laughs> so you can just go to Amex and buy the list. You can go to Visa and buy the list. You can just go ahead like pinpoint exactly. These people fit us. They're in a drivable. You like to filter through the list you want and you can just purchase it. Yeah. So like this past month, we actually grew them from, this is our third month with them. We took them and we're there. I think they're spending like a month. And last month we drove $270,000 worth of revenue. And like, I think it was our, our only third month with them. So it's crazy to see like just that quick, once you get pinpoint accuracy, how, how quick that you can leverage the data. So much about that too is about accuracy, like the people you're targeting, you know? Um, cause some people, they don't invest in that on the front end. They're their broad approach is just wasting money. They're running like me around the golf courses, but then they meet people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, he might be good. I don't know, but yeah. he looks like he's dressed well, so he's been on a business. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my shoes on. <laughs> what is, uh, what's your dad thing now? He's, he, he still thinks we do social media marketing. So <laughs> if you ever asked my dad what we do, he would tell you, I think he works on Facebook or something. <laughs> We're trying to coach him a little bit so he can be more yeah. of a salesman. Like, come on, dad. I need yeah. more. I need some clients. But in a good way now, like in the last couple of years, our revenue is getting closer to his. And uh, it's it's been fun, like a little family competition in terms of like who's bringing home the bucks. You know, like that, the, every year, every quarter, we're closing out our books and sending each other pictures of our P&L. It's like a little competition in the family now. And I'm, he's like, man, I was just getting out of dental school at 31 because if I would have gone to school, it would have been, I want to be a prosthodontist. I'd be getting out of school right now. Yeah. As at 31, I'm just be starting. Yeah. I'm sitting here with a revenue equal of his. And he's, I think sometimes he's a little envious or like, a little, it's like, dang, he was right. Man. He does have better margins than me. So I'll have to give him that. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, with Hillary, your wife, um, how'd y'all meet? So. I would basically help start a church plan. I have a problem with starting things. I know. I was about to say you got nonprofits, you're starting things. You do a lot with nonprofits like the Myers Center, which is another thing I was going to bring up, but we'll start with your wife. <laughs> yeah. So basically it started a church plan called the Village Presbyterian. Jay Kraut actually started a church through Greenville RP. I don't know if you know like Laurel, Laurel Crowder. Oh yeah, I know Laurel. Yeah. She wouldn't have man. Yeah. Yeah. So her brother started a church and I was one of the eight founding members of the church. Started a Bible study and then some of my friends from the Bible study introduced me to my wife. And I told Sam this funny story that they did not give her the heads up that they gave me. They they gave me some background info. So I walked in. I'm like, hey, Hillary, you went to PC. You're an accountant. You work at EY. And she's like, who are you? Why do you know all this about a stalker? Get out of here, kiddies. So I, had to, I had, to, had to fight out of the trenches, out of the gates a little bit. But pretty much like since we met, it was pretty like a, um, like a match made in heaven. Like I was hanging out with Alex Young that day. We went to the lake. Literally the next morning, she came with us to the lake. And it was one of those things like I think we've been pretty much dating since we met. Like. <laughs> We, we like, we connected and we just have been together ever since. Are you from Greenville? She's from Lancaster. Oh yeah. And, uh, Trip Wiley used to run a dealership. Yeah. I heard, I heard dad is a professor at US, uh, USC Lancaster and he, t he t or taught Pierce and Trip. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He immediately knew he was like, uh, her mom, dude, Pierce, she was like, <laughs> she was like, oh, that's that pretty boy. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, Pierce is gorgeous. <laughs> She's not wrong, man. No, Good-looking guy. <laughs> Engineered Sleep makes the best mattresses out there. Sleep is the number one thing you can focus on right now to better your performance on a daily basis, and you might as well be sleeping on an engineered sleep mattress. Like I said, their products are the best, and their customer service is second to none. Their website is engineeredsleep.com. If you use promo code LIVE15, you'll get 15% off your order. So if you or someone you know is looking for a new mattress, reach out to the team at Engineered Sleep, and they'll hook you up. 
Again, their website is engineeredsleep.com. Use promo code LIVE15 to get 15% off your order. When did y'all meet? What year was this? Uh, this was in 2019. So right when the business was going off, I was and changing everything. I was changing my life too. Yeah, right when the uh, country shuts down, y'all buy a house not too far from me too. Um, what was y'all's first trip to Cabo? So the first trip to Cabo was in August, right after the COVID let up. So we, I guess in March, the world shut down. In August, we went down and we got engaged right there in August. So our first trip to Cabo, we got engaged down there. Was that a year in? How long? Yeah, so we we met in July and we got engaged in August. So it was like a 13-month Go, man. Yeah. It moves fast. <laughs> yeah. I actually had, funny enough, I had a plan to do it in April for her birthday. And uh, we were going to go to New York and I had it all set up. We were going to do like a helicopter ride. And then COVID shunned those plans. <laughs> <laughs> but a friend of mine worked at a golf course called Kiviera down there, by the way. Soft plug. Got to visit that place. It's the Pebble Beach of Mexico. It's all on the rocks. It's insanely beautiful. And they have the oldest structure in uh, the Baja Peninsula is a lighthouse. Nice. And my friend worked for IMI, which is a big marketing company. And he got the company car. We went and staged a photo shoot and we got engaged out there. So she thought we were modeling for a real estate nice. shoot, had the bottle of champagne <laughs> and she turned around for me to like hug her from behind. And then I got on my knee and we got engaged on there. Dang. Hell of a story with, uh, did you do love golf, man? Yep. What's a, uh, what's a golf course you love or your favorite golf course you've ever been to? Kiviera is up there, man, but I would say Ireland is another world of golf. I went to Ireland this past May. I was just telling Sam right before we started that when I went, I uh, didn't know I was going to be a father, and I landed home and found out I was going to be a father, so I guess it was like my last hurrah. <laughs> but uh, the golf in Ireland was unbelievable. I would say Old Head is probably the craziest golf course I've ever been to in my life. I heard somebody absolutely describe it as it makes Pebble Beach look like Pebbles Rock, and I'm like, yeah, it is insane. If you just Google it, it is what it crazy. Old Head. It is one of the craziest places. It used to be a farmland and it's like a big island peninsula sticking out and they basically developed it and made this golf course. But the entire thing, you're basically in fear of getting blown off the edge. <laughs> so you're walking alongside of 800, like 150 foot cliff with like 40 mile an hour winds. Just like try to grip the reeds so you don't fly off. <laughs> What's, uh, have you been getting some good fatherly advice? I've been soaking in the fatherly advice. Yes. Yeah. I, I think probably the best one is from Dr. Young, Alex's dad. He gave me the advice of how to write with girls. And he said, you know, at the other day, you got to, all the girl's going to stack you up to every other man against you. So you kind of got to let her know that you like, you know, this is how they're supposed to be treated. They need, they need to be number one priority in your life. So he kind of gave me the guidelines of like, look, if, if you need to put, spend time with her, you need to be intentional. You know, money can be made at a later date, but you can't ever replace the hours and times you miss with your daughters. Like put her number one. And that way, whenever she meets another guy, she like knows what she's supposed to be treated like. Expectations are Yeah. <laughs> and then my dad's other advice, which I thought was a little more comical. He said, uh, he was like, well, the number one advice for, for you I have is that you're number three in your life and really you're number four behind the dog. He was like, <laughs> so you're just, you're just, he was like, right now you're just the trainer on the team trying to keep everybody like active. Support staff, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just keeping them up. It's like, he was like, just forget about yourself for a while. <laughs> uh, have you, uh, have you visited Ad have you visited Alex up in New York some? Yeah, so in a good way, a lot of my college roommates that are in Manhattan and in the city have taken like Alex under their wing and shown him a good time. And I think it's it's been a blessing to be able to go up there and hang out with all some of my like best friends. Like I think when we got when we got married in Cabo, there's twelve people that I invited and six of them were from New York. And uh Alex would be number seven, I guess. But uh <laughs> and so in a good way it's it's great because I get to go see Alex and see all my friends. I'd probably go like four or five times a year. One year I went 12 times pre-Hillary. <laughs> pre 
free girlfriend, free wife. <laughs> Sounds about right. Uh, all right, as we're kind of wrapping up here, and we've touched on some good advice, but I do feel like you have great insight on relationships and how to keep relationships, um, business and personal. Um, as your little closing note, like, tell me why you do that and how you do it and what do you think, you know, people could take from building relationships and, and ways of doing that. I would say the biggest thing that I've learned in terms of relationships is number one, like creating value for people and don't expect anything in return. As long as you can help other people out, number one, it's self-fulfilling. You feel great whenever you're able to like help people, you like see people succeed. I think that's probably why we work with like small and medium businesses because you can see the like work you put in, you know, like it actually is a, such a good feeling to see somebody's life change before your eyes, their business change before your eyes. But also just keep in touch, you know, I think that's a lost art, especially in today's like crazy world, just liking their Instagram page does not count. Like <laughs> pick up the phone, call some people. I know some of my friends are laughing at me because I, you know, Alex, for example, he's probably like, bro, you're terrible at picking up the phone. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I think just trying to make sure that you're reaching out and keeping the relationship stimulated and just being like truly up, like, you know, keeping up to date with people makes a huge impact. And in terms of clients and business, one of the biggest things I've always learned is like, you know, people want to do business with people they like. And the number one thing that has always stuck with me is like, people don't care how much you know, they care how much you care. Mm-hmm. And if you can show them that you truly care and like get involved in their family Get it like ask about their kids, ask about their parents, yes. be involved in their life and really get to know them on a personal level. It really kind of opens up the doors for you and opportunities like will follow. But as long as you do it without expecting anything in a genuine way is the real trick. Like you can't do this stuff and just expect to get stuff out of it. Yeah, right. Like you can do it without, ex- you don't want to expect any payoff. Right. But eventually it's going to come back and yeah, yeah. the momentum will, the momentum <laughs> will go. Uh, as your dad will say, Kenny's got a guy for that, man. That's what my <laughs> wife tells me. He's like, Sam's just got a guy for things. I'm just like, I don't know why. I just feel like I do. What do you need? Exactly. <laughs> um, a little exciting note that we didn't touch on business growth wise is uh, you have now opened office in Charleston. You've opened, I think, an Atlanta office. You're looking in that Charlotte Rock Hill area too, eventually. Um, so wh- where are your offices? And um, first off, congratulations on that too. Yeah. So Charleston was where we started. Our headquarters now in Greenville. So we still have the Charleston office and we did just open up an office in Atlanta last year and then we're opening up Rock Hill. So that one's like still kind of in the works, but uh, it's it's definitely exciting kind of keeping things local. We do have a little like satellite type of office in Jacksonville just to service some of our floor clients, but I don't know. If I ever want to get that far away, I kind of like be able to drive to the office. You don't want to go too big. Yeah, exactly. Don't get too big. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, last piece. Uh, I know I've said that a couple of times now. Um, Hillary, pregnant wife, what are you doing to help her out? What are some keys to keeping a pregnant wife happy a month out from uh, the due date? I would say I have been blessed because she does a lot of the house chores and maintenance and allows me to focus on the business. And recently I've had to take that part under my wing. And I think one thing that I do, and I don't want to summarize males into this category, but I think some of us males can be in this way in terms of being daft and being need to be told what to do in terms of how to help. Sometimes I found myself being like, well, how can I help? It's like, you know how to help. Do the dishes, do the laundry, clean the house, find a guy for that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But in, in a way, I think being proactive has been a big piece rather than reactive and just waiting for her to tell me, like, what can I do? And just like little things. And I, I think the best description I heard was Bo Ives, the guy who gave me my office, actually, I think used this analogy. He said, look, 
a relationship with your wife is like a bank that you can never see the bank account. And it was like, you just put deposits in every day. And he was like, whether it's flowers, whether it's doing the dishes, he's like, you just put money in there, put money in there, put their money in there. And he's like, and you get withdrawals, whether that's trips, you know, you know, she'll let you take money out, whether it's like the t certain times with her or away with guys doing a golf trip. But if you just keep blindly put money in there, don't check your balance. <laughs> and I think that's like been a big piece for me. Just like, just, just, I've never heard that chipping away at an analogy, but I love it. What's, uh, do y'all have a name yet for the baby girl? Yeah. Ellis. Ellis. So my, my wife's. Oh, you said that yeah. maybe before we were recording. Yeah. yeah. Her grandma, her grandmother's maiden name is Ellis. And then my grandmother's maiden name was Taylor. So it'll be Ellis Taylor Ridgel. Love it. Well, Kenny, man, it's been a pleasure having you on. One day I got to figure out how you have so much energy because you always bring it. Um, but thank you for coming on. I really learned a lot. I mean, you, you are, uh, you are, you've achieved a lot, but I feel like you have a lot to continue to grow and give and the trajectory is and always high for you. Um, so thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure having you on. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to continuing to see more episodes come out, man. It's been awesome hearing everything. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Give our partners some love by visiting their links in the show notes. Spinks Convenience Stores, you can find the location nearest you. Rebel Rabbit Seltzers, they're on a mission to socialize healthier and smarter, so join the mission. And Engineered Sleep, making the best mattresses in the game. You might as well be sleeping on an Engineered Sleep mattress. For me, if you could give our show a five-star rating on your listening platform. That'd be greatly appreciated. And thank you so much for listening.